Hello dear listeners out there, Celeste here and today we are going to talk about my roots, South Africa. And most of you probably don't know, I studied children's literature in Connecticut, USA. Uh, right, um, it's a long time ago. I must have been in my early 20s then. And I have been going through all my wonderful manuscripts that I had written in those days and one of them are quite important to me all about my life in Africa and the stories I wrote at the time with an African theme so you're going to get a lot of podcasts in the coming weeks about my African stories and today I'm going to be reading three beautiful short stories uh, which took place in South Africa and I'm going to begin with one of them, and it's called The Great Thirst. Now, I lived in this small little village in South Africa. It was a mining village called Arnott, so let's begin, everybody. The Great Thirst, Arnott, a small village tucked away on the high felt of South Africa, was home to a very unhappy 11-year-old, Maisie. She lay listlessly on the hard-baked earth of her once beautiful garden, gazing tearfully at her dead flowers, which hung their dried heads in sorrow. How sad you look, she thought. The plants were wilted, as if in mourning for each other. Maisie kicked a loose pebble away from her, irritated by the fierce heat sucking every bit of moisture from her olive complexion. She pressed a rough finger against her parched skin, feeling the tiny cracks of flaky scales fall gently against her hand. Eh! she cried out. I can't stand it any more. She ran straight into the house in search for the comfort of her mother, tears washing down her plump cheeks. What is it? cried mother, rushing out of the kitchen. Maisie stumbled into her mother's soft lap. Mom, I'm so miserable. Everything is dying. Why won't it rain? <laughs> she sniffled. Her mother cradled her small body in her ample arms. My little angel, treat this like a new adventure. Try to live with the difficulties as best as you can, because it can only make you unhappy when there is so many little pleasures still to discover. Come on, let's eat lunch. Maisie chewed on her stale piece of bread hiding the taste with swills of bitter coffee. Mom taught her how to dunk old bits of bread into water and reheat it in the oven. That usually did wonders to improve the dry, bland taste, but today everything tasted foul to her. Mom, I'm going to see if I can find any surviving plants outside. 
Maybe, just maybe, there will be something holding on to life, she said sadly. Maisie stood for a few minutes on the veranda, stretching her nut-brown arms wide above her head, teasing the hot air. So you think you can make our lives miserable, huh? My eleventh birthday is five days away, and you're not spoiling that, she scolded, shaking her angry fists at the sun. She rummaged unsuccessfully for a familiar green sprout, but everything had been choked up by the intense heat wave. The little plants crumbled in her hands, like a bag of potato crisps. She fingered her mousy curls in frustration, pulling out strands of hair. Her face puckered nervously. It was painful for her to watch her beloved flowers dying. Her mother joined her in the garden, wrapping her apron around Maisie's head. She led her back into the house. They sat in silence at the kitchen table. Maisie eventually spoke. Her voice quivered. Mom, she said with tears streaming down from her large brown eyes, this heat is horrible. All it does is kill off everything we love. I can't even have a birthday party. What have I done to deserve this punishment? Her mother answered. It's everyone's suffering, not only yours. Think of the thousands of people right now who have to live with the same problems. Some even have more difficulties than us. Maisie faced the next few days learning to deal with the harsh heat conditions and to use her old bathing water for the garden as well as to complain less and smile more especially when she discovered a struggling young shoot pushing through the tough soil. Her bathing water had helped a flower to grow again. Yes. At that moment, while she was marveling at her little discovery, an old cause man happened to be passing by. He stared at her with his dark, wrinkled face. She noticed he must be very old, 80 perhaps. His clothes were very ragged and his back was rather crooked. The poor man supported himself on an ancient-looking stick made from mahogany wood with little strange engravings carved into its smooth surface. Then he spoke in a tired voice. Please, can you give me some food and water, little girl? I have travelled for miles on my tired feet and am very hungry and thirsty. 
Maisie felt sorry for the old man and quickly ran indoors to prepare him a bowl of anything edible she could find. There was still some water left over in the cracked jug, but only enough for themselves. But she could not refuse the man some precious water. She would give him her ration. The old man was thankful for Maisie's great generosity. Thank you, dear sweet child. In return, I shall do a special dance for you. Maisie looked on in curiosity as the old man started to go into a funny trance. At that moment, her mother came out of the house to see what all the commotion was about. What's going on here? she called out. The cause a man is feeling happy today and wants to show me a new kind of dance step, Mum. She could not tell her mother that she had given most of the remaining food and water to the man, especially not now. The old man rattled on in strange clicking sounds, shaking his arms in the air and stamping his withered feet into the dusty sand. Maisie, cried her mother, where does he get the energy to do such a crazy dance at his age, and on top of it in this heat? They watched in amazement while the man worked himself into a savage frenzy, and then abruptly the dance stopped. He looked up towards the hazy sky, shouting some incoherent language to the gods, and then waved him a cheerful goodbye. What a strange man, said Maisie. Her mother agreed. I think he must have sunstroke. This weather is no good for anybody. The evening before her birthday, Maisie and her mother sat on the front steps of the house, watching the scarlet sunset sink its bulging head into the parched landscape. Maisie looked up into the pink sky. Mom, she choked. There is a single black cloud. And before they could marvel at the presence of a black cloud in the sky, more started to appear. In a few minutes, the entire sky was black. A tiny teardrop of rain tickled Maisie's round nose. Mom, she cried, the first sign of rain. She jumped up, flinging her short arms around her mother's waist. Mom, I don't think I'll ever forget this birthday present. It's even better than the tastiest chocolate cake in the whole world. Everywhere, the skies dropped their teardrops into the dry earth. While Maisie laughed joyously, she knew secretly that the wise old 
Kozem had done a special rain dance for her as an expression of his appreciation for her help. The Bored Kangaroo Sun, a little fable. One evening in front of a warm fire sat Father Kangaroo and his son. Tonight I shall read to you a lovely story from the old days, said the Father Kangaroo proudly to his son. The son sat quietly for a few minutes listening attentively to the monotonous tone of his father's voice. He yawned. Ah, the book was rather boring without colourful pictures. He was feeling rather restless and wished for something more exciting. He focused his attention on the fire, watching the flames licking the air. Suddenly, a small pointy little red face appeared amongst the burning logs. Come over here to me, it whispered. I have a very special present for you. The kangaroo son loved surprises. He climbed down gently from the armchair and went on tiptoe to the tempting face in the fire. Here, said the red face, stretching out his long arm. He opened his hand to reveal a small matchbox. You will like this gift. It can do all kinds of fancy tricks. The kangaroo son grabbed the matchbox eagerly and went back to the armchair. The ugly face had disappeared into the flames. His father was still reading from that horrible book. He wanted to play. It was no fun listening for hours to something that happened in the last century. Kangaroo son looked at the box of matches in his hand. The face said it could do lots of tricks. He climbed down to his father's feet, lit a small match against his father's pyjama leg. The flames flickered higher and higher up his father's pants. Kangaroo father leaped out of his chair screaming, I'm on fire, water, fetch water. Kangaroo son filled a bucket of water and threw it over his father's burning pyjamas. His father looked very funny. There was a strange look on his face. He couldn't make out if he was smiling or angry. Son, he growled, come here. From now on, you will spend the rest of the year at the fire brigade learning about the dangers of fire. There will be no more bedtime stories for you until you have become a good kangaroo. Kangaroo son bowed his head in shame. Out of boredom grew mischief. 
he promised himself never to play with fire again. The Tree of Hope The action takes place in South Africa during an awesome drought. A selection of wild animals gather around a magic tree, hoping for it to yield lots of fruit. But they have difficulty remembering the magic word. And where the other clever, strong animals fail, the patient tortoise manages to outwit them all. A moralistic tale of perseverance and achievement from a weaker animal over the more powerful ones. One day, there was an intense starvation in South Africa. Everywhere the animals, small and large, were struggling to survive. There was no food and water, and one by one they started to die. However, there was a strong rumor among the survivors that there was a magic tree in the middle of a treeless grassland it was said that this special tree was able to grant any wish to someone who knew its actual name. But alas, nobody had the slightest idea what it was called. The baboon stood high on her back legs, saying arrogantly, my great-great-uncle once told me that the wise old spirit of the mountains had all the answers to the puzzles of the earth. We will have to elect someone to venture up the mountain and plead with the spirit before it's too late for all of us, coughed the hyena. The springbok was thought to be the quickest on her spiny legs and therefore was given the first honour to seek out the spirit of the mountains. It did not take her long to reach the summit. She begged the spirit to assist all her friends. O oh, learned one, we are so hungry. Our stomach pains are too great. Can you please give us the password to the magic tree? The mountain rumbled, knocking the frightened springbok off her feet. Eventually, the spirit answered, Le tukutula. Excitedly, she ran down the mountain, tripping over loose pebbles along the way. She couldn't wait to tell everyone the news. 
Just then, she, she really fell over a large termite hill. Can you believe it? Hitting the side of her head against a rock. All the creatures gathered around the base of the mountain, waiting in anticipation for the special word. Hurry, give us the name, they all shouted. The little springbok looked a bit shaken from her fall and tried in vain to remember the word. I think it is Lafitor. Oh dear. The name had been knocked out of her head when she fell against the rock. She felt ashamed to have let all the other animals down. They looked at her with such fury in their big eyes. At sunrise the next day, the zebra offered his services to go up the mountain, proudly explaining he was much fitter in body and mind than the springbok. You can all depend on me to bring back the right answer. At least I am not such a weakling on four sticks, he said, puffing out his chest. I will see you before sunset, he boasted, and off he went to consult with the spirits. Once he arrived at the top of the mountain, he cried out. Spirit, tell me the name of the magic tree. The springbok was not able to remember the name. We will not live through another day. Please tell me. Again the spirit repeated the name Letukutula Before the spirit could finish the word the zebra raced down the mountainside falling over the same termite hill with his clumsy hoofs He rolled down further until he landed at the foot of the other animals. Awkwardly, he stood up and proceeded to give him the name. Uh, I think it's Lutuku, uh, Lutuk. Oh, how silly he felt. He couldn't remember. This was the second failure and time was running out quickly for them all. The animals were becoming very agitated. How can a dumb zebra ever think he could remember a simple name? They said to him sarcastically. This time the clever lion 
offered his mighty services on the third morning. Look, everyone, he said proudly. There is no other creature here who can do the job better than I can. I will bring back the correct name before the sun goes under today. The lion shook his golden mane and disappeared up the mountain. Once he arrived at the top, he took a long, deep breath and viewed the great horizon before him. Oh, how powerful he felt being the king of the animal kingdom. Eventually he spoke. Spirit of the mountains, I apologize for having to ask you for the password of the magic tree. But as you know, the springbok and zebra were far too brainless to remember even their own names, he said in a haughty tone. The spirit answered for the third time the name of the magic tree. This time, the lion forgot all about his superior manners and leaped over rocks and boulders, failing to see the termite hill in his path. It was too late for him to control his balance. He rumbled down the mountain, forgetting instantly the name. This time the animals started to panic. If a lion could forget the name, then there was no point in wishing for a miracle. They spent the whole night in discussion, but still nobody could come up with a solution to their dilemma. A small tortoise pushed slowly through the crowd, and she said quietly, Please? Let me go and speak to the spirit of the mountains. I am sure I will not disappoint you. I give you my word that I shall not forget the magic word. And if I do, you may eat of my flesh as a substitute for your hunger pains. They were all stunned to hear such an offer from an ugly, sluggish tortoise. The elephant spoke. The owls who boasted about their muscle and brains did not complete the task successfully. I think we must give the tortoise a chance. After all, he shows a brave heart. What is your plan? boomed the elephant. You must be patient said the tortoise. Tomorrow, at dusk, I will deliver the message. If I do not manage to hold my word, then you can all feast on me.
They all laughed. There certainly is not enough meat on your skinny bones to feed an army. But we will allow you to prove your worth. If you do not succeed, then we will trample you into the thirsty sands. On the fourth day, the tortoise set out on his long journey. He arrived at the top just as the sun was preparing for night. This time, the tortoise explained humbly to the great spirit about their problem. The spirit was not too tolerant. I would tell you the secret name, but for the very last time. So it is now up to you, tortoise, to save your friends. If you forget the name, then you will all be doomed to die. Open your ears, because I will only say it once. Letukutula is the magic password. The tortoise repeated the name again and again. And that night he slept on a round rock dreaming of a tree full of abundant fruit. Even as he slept he never once forgot the name. When he awoke the next morning he immediately croaked out the name of Letukutula. The words sat firmly in his head. He plodded down the rocky mountainside. He was slow but cautious, repeating the name many times along the way. When he arrived at the termite hill, he was amazed to see the familiar footprints of the baboon, springbok, zebra and lion. They had obviously all tripped over the very same hill. That is why they could not remember the name, thought the tortoise. He went around the termite hill, greeting the little ants with Lutukutula. Finally, at the end of his journey, he went directly to the magic tree, stared a long time at its bare branches. Lutukutula. Nothing happened. Perhaps his voice was not loud enough. The rest of the other animals gathered around the base of a tree. The lion spoke. Let us all shout the name together. And they waited. Letukutula. The tree shook dangerously from its root upwards. From its naked arms grew the most magnificent coloured fruits. Popos, which is papaya. 
Pineapples, guavas, lychees, mangoes, bananas, their variety was endless. Out of the mouth of a tree sprung forth the sweetest tasting spring waters that the animals had ever tasted. The tortoise was given a great honor to sample the first fruits and water. After the great feast, the animals lay down to sleep. For the first time in his life, the tortoise was given respect amongst the animals. And every day he went to the tree and said, Letukutula! The animals were very thankful to him and allowed him the privilege of controlling the tree. And one day the skies grew dark and the rains fell on the dried up earth. A big colorful rainbow spread its arms across the mountains. A blanket of wild flowers and rich green grass covered the fertile land. The animals stood silently on a flat piece of rock, admiring the beauty all around them. They all promised the tortoise that from now on he would be their new leader and ruler and that they would never laugh at him again for being the slowest of them all. The tortoise looked at them wisely and said, Letu Kutula. Kutula.